Okay. Well, good morning. Um, thank you. <laughs> so, as Ian mentioned earlier on, I'm going to be uh, kind of wrapping up our series today on Prepare the Way. Uh, we've been on a journey as we've gone through the first five books of John, and, uh, and, and we're going to be wrapping that up today, really by focusing on the, this, this story of, uh, of a guy who was um, uh, suffering. He was an invalid for 38 years. And we're going to look at that story in relation to the wonderful topic of revival. And we're going to talk about how we prepare the way and how, you know, all about how to prepare the way for the coming of the King. Um, and then if time allows, I'm also going to uh, uh, just talk very briefly of some of, uh, some of what I've read about revival itself, but it depends whether or not we've, uh, we've got time for that. Um, now, before I start, I just need to pray. Lord, I come to you as weak as I am. And I ask that you will speak today into each of our hearts. Speak to me, speak to everyone here. Lord, I pray that you will do a work in us, that you will raise faith in us, that you will just draw our eyes to you so that we can fix our eyes upon you as our Lord. So, Lord, I pray that this morning you will have your way. In Jesus' name. So, uh, I just want to clarify at the start, I am going to use this term revival a few times. And uh, um, different people understand the term revival in different ways. Okay? Now, what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about a move of God which transforms the local church. It transforms the wider church, but it goes beyond that and transforms the community in which the churches operate. We've seen in the past, I mean, it was probably about 25 years ago now, when uh, we, we, we experienced this uh, move of the Spirit that came to be known as the Toronto Blessing. And as amazing a time as that was, it was mainly fixed within churches. It was the churches that were renewed. It was the churches and, and lives of people within the churches that were radically changed through that time. But, you know, we didn't see the same sort of impact in the community that maybe was experienced during the Hebridean revival, the Welsh revival, and the other revivals that have taken place uh, throughout the centuries. So if we actually want to go back in the UK to, to the last revival where heaven almost reached down and took hold of, of a community, both the churches in that community and the community itself then we're kind of looking at about 70 years. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I want to experience a bit of that in my lifetime. Now, a long time ago, I'm not going to carry on within the galaxy far, far away. A long time ago, um, I, I had a, just a word from God that, uh, um, that, that I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really a, a, a clear, you will see, but just this sense that at some point in my lifetime, I'm going to see a revival like we saw, or like those people back then saw, in Wales, in the Hebrides, and, and so on, going back through history, where both the community at large and the church is impacted by the power of God. And that's what I'm going to be looking at today when I'm talking about transformation. And the, the key thing is, where God is 
there is transformation. Okay? You, we can't encounter the living God and not be changed in some way. Because, it, it, you know, God just transforms us by his spirit. Now, there are a couple of risks when we talk about revival as well. And certainly I have, uh, um, at times, my thinking has wandered and I've, I've thought, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great to see this, to see that? Wouldn't it make evangelism so much easier if suddenly everyone just suddenly arrived? Right. And, you know, it's true. I mean, outreach for for many of us, outreach is hard work. But we have to go out and tell our friends, our neighbours. We have to tell our work colleagues about Jesus. But in that time of revival, and there's this great story um, where which, uh, you know, Duncan Campbell, who was very much uh, um, a key part of the revival in the Hebrides. He says, you know, the dance hall was full of young people. So, yeah, we're talking clute, you know, the, the, the old-fashioned equivalent. So the dance hall was full of young people. They're, they're, they weren't thinking about God. They weren't aware of God. It, God just didn't focus at all in their thinking. And suddenly, their minds turned to eternal matters. And they felt drawn to God. And he goes on to say that within minutes almost... The dance hall was empty. People ran from there to the church to find God. They felt this inexplicable drawing towards God. In times like that, outreach is kind of easy, isn't it? You know, when the people are coming in saying, what must I do to be saved? But it comes with challenges. That comes with difficulties. We may have to count the cost if revival breaks out. Revival breaks out this week. Certainly going on previous revivals, we're going to be meeting nightly because of the need of the people who need to meet with Jesus. Right? I mean, you know, sometimes it's... Uh, I know this is, this is just me. Uh, sometimes it's hard enough just to kind of, you know, your midweek meeting, you've got your Sunday morning meeting, you've got this. And, and you think, wow, if we were meeting nightly, if we were meeting every day with God, wow, what a great thing that would be. But it, we've got to count the cost of that. So revival, let's not get caught up in this, you know, the seeming glamour of it. Because right? it is going to be challenged when it comes. But to live in a time when God reaches down and grabs a community and transforms a community. Wow, how you know, amazing that would be. To see lives changed. To see people brought into the presence of God. To see healings. To see fillings of the Spirit. All of the stuff that we long for, for the people that we know. To see that happening. Oh, wow. That's just amazing. So that is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about heaven reaching down and grabbing a community. Now the other thing to say is I am focusing on um, John 5. And uh, the the healing at the pool on the Sabbath, okay? And uh, (laughs) and so I'm going to kind of paint this as a story. I'm not going to read, you know, kind of word for word. I'm going to paint a bit of a story here. So do bear with me as I uh, as I go. But what we see is we 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 see in John five we see that Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem, and he's gone to the sheep gate, and at the sheep gate there are um, little alcoves where where people who need a healing touch of God are waiting, they are waiting for that healing, and 
as the text says, they're, they're, they're waiting by a pool. And the, the belief is that when the waters of the pool are stirred, the first one in gets healed. Okay? And, uh, you know, so this guy, he's been there for... Th- I mean, well, he would have been backwards and forwards. I mean, he's not been lying on the one same place. But he's been essentially an invalid for 38 years. Now, when we think about the lifespan of someone 2,000 years ago, this is a significant part of his life. It's a significant part of our lives now, 38 years. So, man and boy, this guy would have suffered with this, uh, with this infirmity. And he was there waiting for the waters to be stirred so that he could find his healing. We've been waiting, like I've already said, we've been waiting for revival. We've been waiting for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God for years. But Jesus suddenly turned up in front of him and he said to that man, do you want to be healed? Now, it's a slightly unusual question because the guy is sitting there waiting for the waters to be stirred. Day by day, he's backwards and forwards waiting for the waters to be stirred, waiting for his healing. And yet Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? Now, if that was me, I would have responded with a, yes, please. I've been waiting for so long. But he says, and it's a bit odd. He says, well, Sir, you know, I've, I've, I've come here for 38 years. I've waited for the waters to be stirred. But whenever they are, someone beats me to it. And it's almost like there's an apathetic response in there. It's almost like there's a, um, a kind of a, well, yeah, but I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, someone always beats me to it. I can't get in. I've got no one to help me get in. And when we... Look for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. When we look for that revival that I believe is coming, but we've been waiting for 25 years since, you know, what was known as Toronto Blessing. We've been waiting 70 years since the Hebridean Revival. A hundred and however many years since the Welsh Revival. It's easy to think, well, will it? Won't it? Yes, Jesus stands in front of us and says, do you want to see me move? And our cry should be, yes, Lord. Move in power amongst us. Move in power in our communities. Lord, we pray. We cannot do it on our own. We need you. And this world is broken. We need you, Lord. So when we talk about revival and a fresh outpouring of the Spirit, let's not be kind of apathetic as a, well, it would be nice, but, you know. Lord, we long for you to move in power. As a church, we have been waiting. Let's be ready for when he asks that question. Do you want to be healed? Jeremiah 29 says, When you're serious about finding me, When you want it, it's a paraphrase, sorry. When you're serious about finding me, when you want it more than anything else, I will be found by you. It's talking about a desire above all else to meet with God, to see him move in power, to see the lost saved. That's what we need. 
As we go on in the story, we see that Jesus has come up to him and said, do you want to be healed? And he's kind of given this little bit of a lame excuse, really. And then suddenly, Jesus says to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once, the healing power of God poured into this man. He must have felt a strengthening, a quickening in his spirit. He must have felt a strengthening, a quickening in his body because he got up. It wasn't a case of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, am I better? He, it, the impression you get is he got up and walked. He knew that infilling from Jesus. The church in Durham and the communities in which we operate need a healing touch of God. We need a healing touch that causes us to focus on him above all else. The lost out there. You know, when we think about what that means to be lost, when we think that if they get to the end of their lives and they are still lost, it is that eternal separation from God. Whilst we enjoy heaven Jesus said to the man on the cross, you will be with me in paradise. Whilst we enjoy paradise, the lost are separated from God. We need a healing touch, but Jesus is ready to give that healing touch. Jesus' heart is for the lost. Jesus' heart is for those that don't know him. Jesus' heart is for the suffering. Even if they've been suffering like this man for 38 years, Jesus' heart is for him. And he says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately this man did. And so the same for us. When Jesus says, now is the time. Revival is going to pour into County Durham, into the northeast of England, into England. That will be the time of healing. So what happens? Jesus tells him, get up, take up your bed and walk. At once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. Now the day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he said to them, the man who healed me, he said, take up your bed and walk. Now, what did the Jewish leader say? Praise God. Let's rejoice in your healing. Go be free in the health, in the life that you have got. Go be free and enjoy the blessing of God. No. They said, it is against the law. You cannot carry your bed. This guy has been an invalid for 38 years. And yet, when the healing power of God came, they were more concerned about their traditions and about the way things should be done. Instead of enjoying, instead of rejoicing in the healing power, the fact that God is amongst them and has caused a healing. When revival comes, we need to be careful. When revival comes, things may be different. 
When revival comes, we may have to change. I would go so far as to say we will have to change some of the things that we do simply because God is moving in power. There are stories from the Welsh revival where within the same town there were churches where one experienced the fires of revival, where one saw God move in power and then the one down the road that didn't because they said that's not of God. And they missed it. When the revival fires come, we will need to go with it. We will need to be flexible. We'll need to be prepared to change perhaps what we do. Because we are following after him. We're responding to him. We are following his leadership, his guidance. Now, Jesus, you know, in Scripture, it's very clear. He says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. That's 1 John 4. But when the Spirit of God comes, we will know that. And we will have to follow. And not just kind of any, you know, but we will follow him. And as I was preparing this, it, I, I did think, you know, and, and it may be... <laughs> Maybe I am a bit of a spiritual snob. Because I did have to think. Well, you know, if if the fires of revival started at Chesley Street this morning, I'll be up there like a shot. If the fires of revival started in Darlington, at at King's Church, where Sally's mum and dad go. That's a funny phrase. Sally's mum and dad go there after he met the Lord a couple of months ago. Um, If the fires of revival start there, we will be there like a shot. But what if the fires of revival start in a, a, a traditional church, one that's very different from us? And I'd say, God, if that is the case, I want to be where you are. I want to go and experience and know and find out what's happening. And then I will, you know, pray, Lord, bring it to us. Bring it to us here. Let us know it. I mean, what I really want is for the fire to revival to start here. You know, but, you know let's be honest. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'm praying for. But if they start down the road, will we be there to see what God is doing and to take hold of what God is doing? Now, this man is... If you read it, it's, it's, um, it says, so the Jews saw him. They said, it's not lawful for you to carry your mat. And then he says, well, the man healed me. You know. And uh, they say, well, who was this man? And it says, bear with me. Oh, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. As there was a crowd in place. In other words, Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. This man, just think about it a minute. This man has been an invalid for 38 years, waiting for the healing power of God to come in his life. Suddenly, Jesus is there in front of him. Suddenly, that healing power is in it. He's walking. He's able to carry his mat. And he's lost sight of Jesus already. It's like, well, where is he? I'm sorry, but if it was me, I'd be hanging on to him. I'd be wondering, well, who are you? What, what is this? What's going on? I need to follow you. I'm going to go where you go, you know, because that's clearly where the power is. I want to be there. And so this guy had taken his eyes off Jesus within, seemingly within minutes of healing coming into his life. 
He'd taken his eyes off Jesus. And it's, again, when, the, when the, those fires of revival start, when those fires of revival begin, it would be so, so easy to get caught up in the hubbub, in all that's going on, in the how do we organise, how do we do this, how do we do that, that we actually lose sight of the one who actually brings that revival to us. We cannot do this ourselves. We are not manufacturers of revival. That's not going to work. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Where he goes, we go. When the healing, when the fires of revival start, when the healings, when the people are getting saved, when, you know, all of this is going on, and all of the hubbub, and all of the challenges that, that, that this will bring, we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. Because the moment we take our eyes off Jesus, that's the moment that we start to go down the wrong path. It's so, so important we keep our eyes fixed on him. But what happened? It says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. This man had been healed. He had taken his eyes off Jesus and had lost sight of him. But Jesus found him later. And as we go through our Christian walk, Jesus finds us. As we walk with him, if we take our eyes off him for a moment, he calls us back and he finds us again. In those times when the fires of revival, if we take our eyes off him, that's risky. But I do believe he will try and draw us back. He'll find us again. But let's not take our eyes off him in the first place. Now when Jesus found him, he said this very simple phrase. He said, See, you are well. Sin no more, so that nothing worse may happen to you. As we pray, as we long for a fresh outpouring of God in our lives, in our church, in the churches in the northeast, in the local community, in the northeast as a whole, in the UK, we need to tell of the good things that God is doing. We need to remember the good things of God. See You are well. We need to remember what God has done for us. When healings come, let's give testimony of that. When salvations, (coughs) let's shout it from the rooftop. See, you are well. Jesus is pointing out to this guy, look at what's happened to you. You are healed. So when God is moving in power... Let's remember the good things that he is doing. Let's tell of the good things he is doing. Let's not hide back. Let's not 
put our light under a bushel. Let's go forth and tell. Jesus healed someone in our church yesterday. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus saved someone who was lost in their sin. Jesus took someone who was addicted to drugs and alcohol and cured them, healed them of that. Let's tell of the good things that he has done. See, you are well. But then he says, sin no more. A lot, if you read the commentaries, there's a lot about this as to what, what, he's, what, what Jesus is talking about here. But what I see when I'm thinking about this passage, when I'm thinking about, you know, that fresh outpouring of God, those revival fires coming through our communities, the call here is clear. Sin no more. We need to live our lives as if we sin no more. When I take my eyes off Jesus, when I put my eyes on other things, when I put other things before him, I hear the cry. I need to hear the cry of Jesus to this man. Sin no more. When my thought life runs away with me, when I dwell on that which maybe I shouldn't be dwelling on, the cry of Jesus to this man comes to me. Sin no more. When I'm in the workplace, now I work, at, I work for myself, so it's, it's not as relevant to me now because, well, I am the boss. But when I was working in school, if the head came to me and said, Keith, you've done your reports. Uh, yes, I have, um, but I'm sorry, I've left them at home. I will give them to you tomorrow morning. Is that okay? Knowing full well, I haven't finished my reports. Those little kind of harmless fibs, sin no more. The call of God on our life is one of holiness. Now, we, we, can't, we can't do it all in our own strength. We need him to help us. But the call of God on our lives, like the call of God on this man's life, sin no more. Psalm 24 says, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. Sin no more. And then he finishes this sentence with that nothing worse may happen to you. When the fires of revival come, when we feel, when we see and when we experience the presence of God pouring into our communities, when we see the, the, the dance halls from the 50s, Scotland, when we see the dance halls emptied The pub's emptied because people are suddenly aware of their need for God, that they need to fix their eyes on eternal matters. We need to make sure that we don't take our eyes off him. We need to make sure that we go with him. Because what could be worse than to miss it? 
What could be worse than to miss it? The message to this man was very clear. See you are well. Sin no more so that nothing else worse may happen to you. For us as a church, we need to talk about the amazing things that God has done. We need to live holy because we don't want to miss it. When God pours out those revival fires, we don't want everywhere else to be touched but not us. We want to know it. We want to be there when God is doing amazing things. So revival is coming to this land. I believe that. With every fibre of my being, I believe that. We need to wait for him. Eagerly anticipating, praying and seeking him above all else. Not in apathy or doubt, but in faith. That he will pour himself out upon us and do something new in our midst and in the churches around us and in the local communities in which we serve. When revival comes, we need to get on board with what God is doing. We may need to change things. But let's not miss the mark simply because we don't want our plans to be messed up. When God moves in power in our lives... Let's live in that freedom that he has for us. Let's enjoy the place of healing. Let's enjoy the place that he has brought us to. But let's not turn back. Let's not take our eyes off him. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's not lose sight of him in the busyness. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's tell of all that he has done in our lives. And finally, let's live holy lives and sin no more. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. But we've just got a couple of bits of ministry. First of all, if you are not... Sorry, I can't read with these on. I have to take them off. Oh, I know you all are. If we are not yet someone who knows Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, you came this morning and you're thinking, I don't know who Jesus is, but I have seen something in the worship. I've seen something in the breaking of bread. I've seen something. I've heard God speaking to me. If you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to put your hand up and say, I need this Jesus in my life. I need to know him in my life. I cannot go on without him. So if you are here today and you don't know Jesus, then can you just give me a wave and then I'll get someone to pray with you. I'm not going to Drag it out, but just in case there is anyone here who doesn't know Jesus. Okay. Secondly, if, like me, you want to see the fires of revival being poured out upon us, both us as a church, as a community in the northeast. And let's pray this prayer together.
Lord Jesus, we long for you. Lord Jesus, we long for your presence. We long to see those fires of revival, the outpouring of your spirit. We long to see you do something new and amazing and wonderful in our church and in our communities in which we live. We long to see the the, the sick healed. We long to see those who have uh, mental health issues being brought back to wholeness. We long to see those who are suffering through poverty know that there is a God who provides for them. We long to see those who don't know Jesus, who don't know you, come into relationship with you, Lord. But we can't do it on our own. Our plans, our purposes, they're not good enough, Lord. They only go so far. We need you to do something in our church, in our community. Across the churches of Durham and the northeast, Lord, we need you. So, Lord, I pray that you will send your fires of revival amongst us. Burn us up for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. The final group, and this is where I'd ask the ministry team to come out is if you are aware that you have taken your eyes off Jesus. You remember what I said about keeping our eyes fixed on him. If you are aware that in your walk with God at the moment, you've taken your eyes off Jesus, you've put other things before him, whatever that may be, career, relationships, family, life, If you have put something else before Jesus, if you have taken your eyes off him, can I invite you to come out and someone will pray with you. In a similar way with the message, sin no more. If you are aware that sin is preventing you from keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Or if as um, uh, Sarah with a word this morning from God, If, through other reasons, you're struggling to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, then come out, talk to a member of the ministry team, and they will pray for you, and we'll see God do a healing.